yes. <laughs> What's up? Sorry, if you were here earlier, you saw a dunk tank out there, and I think my body is still in shock from being dunked. Brennan cheated and just went up and just pushed a button because he couldn't throw a baseball thing. Not important. Welcome. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. Um, it's, it's been said. I've cried a thousand times already, and I'll cry more later. Um, but I'm excited to be able to enter into this third week of our last series of the year, which is insane and incredible. And I, I actually like, as not even just prepping for this week, but thinking about knowing like, hey, I'm going to talk about Sabbath as the final message of the year. Like, how lame. Like, legitimately, like that thought went through my head. And then I realized this whole series is probably one of the most important ones we've done. Without a doubt in my head. This is one of the most important. So all three together, I think, have one for me already had the, and I've seen, have major impact on my life and my relationship with Jesus. And tonight is no different. Um, we talked about that first week, this idea of what does it look like for us to slow down because our culture is such a fast pace. And, and, and I, don't, I don't even know who's, I forgot who's back there. Uh, can you throw up that first pic? Some of you guys will recognize this picture and some of you won't. This is what's known as a sled, a push sled. Some have called it a dog sled. Don't know why. There's no dogs to pull it for you. You have to push it. When, it's just reality. It's like, don't call it that. It'll make no sense. There was a, when I was in Watertown, I was there doing worship pastor and as a youth pastor there for about five years before I came down here. And as you can tell, like, looking at me, I obviously work out. <laughs> right? I, I, that shouldn't get that big of a laugh. <laughs> anyway, but legit, like, so I did like co-youth leading at, at Church Cornerstone up there. But the main youth pastor was a guy named, by the name of Jesse Herkus. Um, he's 10 years older than I am, but will outlive me by 50 years. He's one of the most healthy persons I know. Works out all the time, eats healthy. I mean, just like incredible, incredible. Loves Jesus. Total, he's already married. He's got like four kids. So sorry. <laughs> But he's just an incredible guy, like legit one of my best friends, love him to death. And he went to this place that he worked out in called Barefoot Fitness. And yes, you don't wear shoes. And so he goes, and every year they would do this thing and promotion thing of like, hey, come for a week to check it out and see if you want to join. So like every person invites a friend that they know, like, hey, come work out with me three days a week, three mornings a week, and just like get used to it. He's been, he was trying to get me to work out from the day we met because he knew he, I obviously didn't. <laughs> And so there was one of these times where I came and it was a nicer morning and they do this on purpose. They wait to do it until it's nice out because then you get to go outside and play with the fun stuff like huge tires. And apparently something that's fun is pushing out around this stupid thing. And so what they do is you get partnered up. So I partnered with Jesse, who is legit one of the most fit guys that I know in my life. And I don't remember how much weight is on there for the one that we did, but you go one at a time and you for a minute, you just push this thing. And then you switch, and so then you get a minute break, and then you push, right? And so it's one of the first things that we did. Like, we warmed up, but the warm-up for me was basically a workout. And then we had, like, seven other things to do. So I was already, like, ready to die. <laughs> but we're doing this thing. It's like, oh, man, I can push a sled. And I'm just like, I can push this. And so the very first one, we're doing it six, supposed to do six times, minute on, minute off. And Jesse goes first and he's hard going. So he's like running with this thing. So I'm like, it's a workout for me to catch up on my minute off as I'm trying to follow him. And then I got like, oh, I can do this minute goes and I'm pushing hard. 
and I'm pushing this thing. And 35 seconds into my first run, I'm done. I have to do it five more times. Five more times. I was done. I ended up the third time telling Jesse, dude, I got to quit because I went around the building and threw up. <laughs> it was that bad. But I didn't start off with the right pace. And it ended up hurting me. The first week we looked and realized and, and recognized that Jesus was inviting us into a whole different lifestyle than what the culture pushes us into. He asked us to slow down, to take on his yoke, which, is, which he calls an easy yoke, saying, nestle up next to me as I bear the weight, the anxiety, the worry of life, and just follow my pace. Follow me. He asked us to slow down to the pace of love. And this idea of slowing down, we've recognized throughout this series, is so countercultural. And so it's okay. I yes, what we need to do is slow down. So well, how do we do it? And Brennan came with just, and then he says fire. I'm too old to use those kind of words. Uh, but he did. He crushed it and brought a message. Like one of the aspects of how we can slow down is as we pursue silence and solitude, we actually get refocused um, on the presence of God in our life. Reintroducing presence into our life, presence of God, presence with each other, and presence with the world as we pursue silence and solitude. And tonight, the third week, I get to talk about the Sabbath. Another way for us to slow down, to push back against what the culture asks us to do. We recognize that life can be hectic, chaotic, and the pace that we try to push into and follow the pace of the culture push, pushes us to a place beyond where we feel like we can keep up. So this whole series has been around how do we navigate a hectic pace of life? How do we slow down? And God knew this was going to happen. He knew we were going to get distracted and focused and, and, and even pushed off of the track that he desired for us to follow. And so he put into place things for us to practice, to put into our life so that we would be able to slow down to the pace of love. And one of these rhythms that he put into place is the Sabbath. And literally, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. And it means to stop or to cease. Literally, to cease. Stop doing. And so this idea of Sabbath being introduced into the Hebrew and, and, and Israel life, and then we see in the New Testament into the Christian life, is this Sabbath is a sacred time where we cease from work and invest purposely in resting and reflecting on who God is. And the first time that we see Sabbath, that word specifically show up is in Exodus 20. So if you have your word, your phone, open it up in Exodus 20, we're going to read at verse 8. It says this, remember the Sabbath day, the Shabbat, the ceasing day, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And so he's saying in a seven-day week, there's six days that you've been given, given to get all of the things done that you need to get done. Get everything done in those six days. But on the seventh day, Shabbat, cease, stop, catch your breath so you can reflect 
on who God is. So you can reorient, reorient your life, refocus on what's important. And we get to the, not just New Testament, but even modern day Christianity and modern day church. And we never hear really a practice of Sabbath happening. It's not talked about a lot. I don't know if I've heard a teaching outside of the last like three months on this. That's not true. Aaron Cloud gave a message on it two years ago. So I just lied. I apologize. I repent. Jesus, forgive me. I know you did. Thank you for the cross. <laughs> no, you did. It's actually really, really good. And I, because I listened to it. <laughs> but now we don't talk about it a lot. You think, okay, why don't we have this practice of Sabbath instituted in our Christian walk? And what happened is there's a truth in reality that the gospel, which is good news, that Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection has done it all for us. He's finished the work. He's paid for all our sin. We are completely forgiven and redeemed and reconciled in Jesus. So there's nothing we have to do in order to be able to earn God's favor or earn God's love or get back into a right relationship with him. Jesus has done it all for us. And so we look at practices and things that they did in the Old Testament and we think some of this stuff we don't have to follow, which in some cases, actually a really, really true statement. And, and then they'll go to passages like Hebrews 4.9 where it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. And what they say when we point to the scriptures is say, I already, I don't have to practice a Sabbath to rest and to cease and to stop because I have a restful spirit, a Sabbath spirit, as the writer in Hebrews call it. But what's happened is I think we've misunderstood what the purpose of having a full day of stopping, of seizing, of Shabbat. In the Old Testament, there are three different types of laws. There's ceremonial laws, which a lot of talk about what does it look like to be forgiven, what do you have to bring to sacrifice, different types of cleansings that you have to do based off a certain sin that you did. There are civil laws and how you react and, and, and live within each other, more of a, a governing law. And then there's moral law. And of the three laws in the Old Testament, of those three types of laws in the Old Testament, the moral law doesn't cease or stop. The moral law for us continues over into the New Testament. And the moral law, a lot of the moral law, is found in Exodus 20, which is where we have the first 10 commandments. But what we've done is we have not seen the Sabbath practice as a moral law. We've seen it more as a ceremonial law. We say, I don't need to practice that. And for some reason, it's the only one of the 10 that we exclude, which I think is a miss on us because we're missing out on a practice that helps us reorient, refocus, and prioritize what is really, really important. Now there's a reality that a lot of different scholars would say um, that the Sabbath is not a binding law, means you don't have to keep it, which the reality is we don't have to keep any law. But there are things that God has asked us to do that point to us loving him better and loving others better. That he desires for us as followers of Jesus to push into. Sabbath is a day. It's not a metaphor. 
Yes, there's a reality that we experience a Sabbath rest in our spirit, like Hebrews said, because of what Jesus has done for us. But what Sabbath day does in practice, in in a time period, is it allows us to pursue a spiritual discipline of Sabbath for formation and transformation by which we cultivate a restfulness throughout every day of the week. So let's use that seventh day. Practice the Shabbat. Practice the Sabbath. Because what you're doing there is you're putting in a spiritual discipline that is actually going to help you in having a spirit of restfulness throughout the week. It's why the athlete practices to get ready for the big game. <laughs> I wonder how ICSU's doing. They're playing right now, in case you didn't know. It's like training wheels on a bike. Man, my son, incredible. I mean, just super gentle kid, um, but also fearful. Like he doesn't want to get hurt, which makes sense. Who wants to get hurt? My daughter, but that's not important. <laughs> Actually, yeah, she doesn't care if she gets hurt. She's fearless. My son is careful. Like he just pays attention. Like it wasn't intentionally jump off of the couch face forward like my daughter does. He is smart. It's just real, dude. My daughter is me. We're not very wise sometimes. But we just like last summer, we took the training wheels off his bike and his bike is a little tall, but the training wheels got him used to being able to ride pedal, to steer. And then you kind of, I don't know if you remember riding a bike and having training wheels, but you can like lift the training wheels up so that you have to have actually learn more balance, but they still kind of help you. The training wheels for him were able to help him eventually, literally yesterday, even though I took him off last summer, ride his bike for the first time. But without the training wheels, he would have been too careful and too fearful to actually just get on the bike. The Sabbath day is a practice and a discipline that actually cultivates within us a spirit of restfulness that we have because of Jesus. And we can experience a spirit of restfulness all the other six days of the week. Because on a Sabbath day, we reorient, we refocus, and we prioritize on what's important. So whether it's a binding law or not, to me, is irrelevant. Because here's the truth. By implementing a beautiful rhythm of Sabbath into our life, we can get the soul care necessary for us to remember our identity, to refocus on God's purpose, and to refresh ourselves holistically. So again, whether it's a, a binding law or not, The reality is it's an incredible, beautiful practice that helps us remember who God says we are, reminds us of our purpose, and it refreshes and rests us holistically as a person, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Here's what Sabbath is not. Sabbath is not doing nothing. So just because Shabbat in Hebrew literally means to cease or to rest, Sabbath is not a day of just passive activity where you can sleep in as long as you want or sleep all day. Or what a lot of us has done, and sometimes even including myself, a time to to binge Netflix or scroll through social media. That's not really a Sabbath. Because as we read together in Exodus, God gave us the Sabbath and he said, keep it because he's made it holy and he's blessed it. The Sabbath is a sacred moment when we cease from the normal rhythms of life because it's holy. And holy immediately tells us that it's set apart for a specific purpose. We are are to intentionally reflect on who God is 
and pursue purposely spiritual growth. The rhythms and pace of Jesus. And Sabbath helps us do this. So we're going to go through four different aspects of what Sabbath is, what it looks like, how to do it. And these four words, and they're our words, um, have been a combination of readings from John Mark Comer, teachings and talking with our development pastor here, Aaron Cloud. And as I've tried to implement a Sabbath rest and rhythm into my life, I have found freedom that has legitimately transformed and formed me into becoming more like Jesus. And a lot of it for me started with this reality that Sabbath is not me putting down a list of rules and law to obey or follow so that I can feel good that I did what I thought I was supposed to do. It's I've put in intentional moments that help me remember who God says I am, refocus my purpose, and push into getting rest holistically. So the first one, first aspect of Sabbath is we Sabbath at rest. And what's really, really beautiful about this for me is there's a couple of different ways I'm gonna talk about how we can do this and how, what it looks like to push into rest. First, we follow God's example. You follow God's example when pursuing rest. Um, you, you know those times and those moments, like, and this is a classic like pastoral saying that we'll have around the church here even, is we'll say, okay, we wanna do things, we wanna teach things um, to our people, we wanna teach right, leaders and we have ministry team and then even to you guys, like, yeah, we wanna do teaching, we wanna do it well, but we also need to live in a way that you guys are actually also catching what we're doing. And so the first time, yes, Sabbath is talked about in scripture is Exodus 20, but going all the, ba- all the way back to the beginning of the world, God put it into play and put it into a way that he wanted us to catch it first. Before he even mentions the word Sabbath, he puts in a rhythm of how life is supposed to go for us because he wants us, wants us to catch it. And so we're gonna go back into Genesis, chapter one, and then going right into a little bit of chapter two, and it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. Now remember, this is Sabbath at rest. And so God looked, this is the sixth day of creation. God looked, blessed them, and he said, then be fruitful, increase in number. Amen. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I'm gonna say this a lot, but I don't, I, I just, I, this is so good for me <laughs> and everyone. At Oasis, our, we recognize, and you guys have heard me say this, that college students and young adults, every single one of us, but more so in this season of life, we are looking for identity and acceptance and purpose. And what we have at the beginning of time is God showering identity, acceptance, and purpose as he creates mankind. Made in the image of God, identity. Be fruitful, increase in number, purpose. Verse 29 says, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good acceptance. He said he created mankind in his image identity. He gave him a purpose. Be fruitful, multiply. Steward well creation. 
And he looked at it and said, you're good. Meaning I desire you. I created you to be in relationship with me. Acceptance, worth, meaning, all right there in the very first book of the Bible. And there was evening and there was morning and it was the sixth day. So created, showers identity, acceptance and purpose on them. And it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Sound familiar? Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Doesn't talk about Sabbath, this Shabbat, this to, to cease. But he wants humanity and humankind to catch this. This beautiful reality and rhythm of rest and work. Before he gives a teaching of keeping the Sabbath because it's holy, we see that the seventh day is holy and the first full day of mankind is a day of rest. It's a day of just being, of sitting in the presence of God. Before they go fill the earth and multiply, before they steward creation. They know what they're supposed to do. They've been given it. God created a seventh day to rest and to be. I just, that's so beautiful. We are meant to fulfill God's purposes for us from a state of holistic rest. So we follow God's example as he worked. He didn't need to rest. He's all powerful. He didn't get tired. God didn't get tired. <laughs> but he did it. So they wouldn't, we would know the importance of keeping the seventh day holy. So we follow God's example, the Sabbath at rest. And the second one that we can do this, that we push into Sabbath at rest, is we, can, we need to cultivate a reliance on Jesus and break off any selfish inclination. I'm not going to that one right yet. Sorry, that's my fault. That's on me. I said second. That's not your fault. That's me. That's my bad. But the second way that we actually follow the Sabbath at rest is cultivating a desire for Jesus. And it's recognizing that as I cultivate and take time to have a reliance on Christ, I break off any selfish inclination. So it's not about filling a seventh day full of what I want to do in my desire of, of push, pursuing things that I think are good for me. It's saying, Jesus, no. Teach me how to have rest, spiritually, emotionally, physically. What does that look like? Because when we have a seventh day and try to keep it holy, we need to prioritize Jesus. But what we tend to do, and what even in the church we've done, is we've pushed after our desires so much that it's led us to overwork and underworship. It's not allowed us to actually get the rest that God desired for us to have because we followed our own, more so our own personal desires that we wanted to do on a seventh day. We didn't pray through it and give the day to the Father. I didn't ask specific questions that I'm gonna ask at the end of the message for you guys to think through. We'll get there. But we need to cultivate a reliance on Jesus that breaks off our selfish inclination. Second one, Sabbath in remembrance. 
Exodus 31, I'm going to start at 16, says this, says the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And this idea of remembrance, going back into verse 16, he says it's celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Remembrance is not just a cognitive process, but actively celebrating who God is and what he has done. It's worship. Where we've pushed into and invited God's goodness, his character. Remembering what he's done for us, first of all, that he's created us and called us good. Next, that in his love for us, he sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf to pay for sin that was our sin so that we would have a right relationship with him. On a Sabbath day, we remember We actively celebrate. We return to God, recognizing that he does call us good. We recognize that in Jesus we are forgiven, redeemed, made new, and holy, as 1 Peter says. We tune into his presence. We do that with thanksgiving and praise and adoration. We reflect, ultimately, on who God is and what he has done for us. Well, for me, there's there's moments where worship through music does that for me where I'll be sitting and I've had Saturdays where I go downstairs and, and I tend to be the first one up but Alice again she's me so she's beating me sometimes now because she needs about five hours of sleep somehow and she's it's insane but I'll get up and, and, I'll, and I'll read my Bible and I'll, I'll try to pray but what I just what brings me just joy and delight is I remember in worship through music. And so I'll put on songs that just display and talk through the gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I'll put on songs that speak over identity of who God says I am. And and this is a simple practice that I put into, into my life of like 10, 15 minutes. But I do it right away and what I'm doing is I'm focusing and pushing and starting my day off with, okay, God, I want to remember who you say I am. I want to prioritize and remember the purposes that you have called me to. And it's in those moments as I'm listening to the music and as Alice and I are screaming at the TV, singing along, where we're able to recognize and remember who God is and what he's done. It's not just a cognitive process where I think through, this is what God has done for me. It's I actively celebrate who he is and what he's done. The third one is Sabbath as resistance. Um, This one might be one of my favorites. (laughs) There's a book by Walter Brueggemann called Sabbath as Resistance. And he gives this basic idea that to do a Sabbath, to take a seventh day out of our week, goes such against culture that it's a resistance to how they expect us to live our life. Right, because at culture's pace, And even with enough time, we can accomplish almost anything. If I put enough hours in, if I put enough resources in, I can get almost anything I desire or want to have accomplished. We spend all of our time trying to find identity, acceptance, and purpose. And in that, we do it at a pace that the culture has told us we have to do it at. And here's what I mean by that. It's not just pushing into how fast or how much work. 
It's we're trying to find identity, purpose, and acceptance in creation and not the creator. And so to have a Sabbath as resistance is to recognize that we weren't designed to run at a pace that runs after the things of this world where every other person is trying to find identity, acceptance, and purpose outside of Jesus. And as we recognize that we weren't designed to run at that pace, I think that when we rest as Sabbath, when we remember in Sabbath, it gives us a reorientation and refocus, like I said, of what God has for us. And the culture has recognized that we're going too fast. Like, that's, that's the truth. And so they've tried to implement this thing, which not always, is not always bad, called self-care. But the culture's idea of self-care is how can I, in my own strength and energy, take care of myself and cultivate health in my own life? It's pushing back already against what I talked about of what it looks like to rest the Sabbath. It says, how do I find rest? How do I need to take care of myself? Self-care isn't bad. It's not bad. But when I pursue self-care in my own desires and in my own strength, what ends up happening is we get unhealthy relationships with, again, creation, with hobbies, with people and relationships, unhealthy relationships with food, unhealthy relationships with drinking, unhealthy habits, because what we're doing is not soul care. When we take a day and, and when we try to pursue rest and self-care the way culture has asked us to and pointed us to, what we're doing is soul numbing. And so we scroll through social media for hours. We binge watch a ton of TV. And I'm not saying watching Netflix is bad. Dude, I watch Netflix. But how easy is it to get caught up in two, three, four, five, six, 18 episodes of The Office? That happened once. Watched an entire season of The Office and I didn't even know I watched the season. Just the day, it was gone. And I thought it was restful because I didn't do anything. Sabbath as resistance pushes back holistically. I'm trying to provide for myself health, holistically. Health physically, health spiritually, health emotionally, health relationally. And Sabbath as resistance prioritizes Jesus. Man, all right, I'm gonna do it. I should be done because the time's already done, but I'm not gonna be. It's our last night, guys. We're fine. Um, going back to the Genesis text, here's, it's just so, it's so good. <laughs> that we were made in the image of God. Like, you're an image bearer. How beautiful is that? And then in Christ, you're an adopted son or daughter. It's like, let's go. That's so good. But as an image bearer, and I think our, like, 21st century world, what we think of an image, right, is a picture. Or even like a mirror. It's the reflection back, which is a true aspect of, like, interpreting an image bearer, that we were made in the image of God. Like, we are made in the image of God, we're relational people. Like, he literally created us to be in relationship with him. He has been in relationship with the Father. It was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in relationship for all eternity. So an aspect of us being made in the image of God is we're relational people. It's super important. Another one is, like, we're rational. Like, we're smarter than animals. 
but I get distracted just like an animal sometimes. We are, so we're relational and we're rational. But when Moses wrote this, and I think when even the Israelites read this, they didn't have mirrors. They didn't have photos and pictures. And so for them, it was more like this idea of God's handprint making an impression on all of humanity. And so before the fall, we had this impression that was filled only by God's hand. And then when the fall happened, when sin entered the world, the hand of God was separated. What, what could only be filled, the impression that was within us that could only be filled by God was all of a sudden taken away and we tried to find things to fill that that were of this culture and not of Jesus. So identity in a relationship doesn't work. Identity in a sport, a hobby, doesn't work. Approval from my peers, I'm, I'm, I keep failing them. It's, what's important is what I do, who people say I am, what I have. And we pursue to fill this impression that God created within us by things of this world. Sabbath as resistance is recognizing that as an image bearer, only Jesus can push and fill in that impression. It's only through Jesus that I find complete identity, acceptance, and purpose. And so Sabbath as resistance is to take a day, say, you know what, no, I'm not gonna overwork. Because my acceptance isn't getting the promotion that you think I should be pursuing. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Man, you guys got finals this week. That's awful, I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, what, what would it look like to take a day, a Sabbath as resistance during finals week? And again, time, right, was a man-made thing, as a construct that we created, so there's not a specific day that you need to do this. This isn't. I'm not gonna make it legalistic and say it has to be between this time and this, like, no. That's overbearing and overwhelming. That's not what God desires for us. What does it look like to take Sabbath as a resistance, recognizing, again, to remember who God says we are, refocus our purpose, and refresh holistically? The Sabbath rest says, I live and have my hands in a Father who I can trust. That's Sabbath as resistance, pushing back against the culture. All right, last one Sabbath towards relational gathering. Sabbath towards relational gathering. This is this. It's having those moments on the seventh day where we meet and we gather, and it's good. Hebrews tells us, do not give up together. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The corporate gathering of worship, we are, again, like I said, first and foremost, relational people. And this type of gathering, this relational gathering should bring us joy. Because the only true joy that we can find, as Psalm 16 says, as David said in Psalm 16, 11, there's fullness of joy in your presence. And when we're in God's presence, we get that joy. And then there's something just bigger and greater when we're together, experiencing the Father's goodness. So we Sabbath and rest. We Sabbath in remembrance and worship. Sabbath as resistance against the culture's ways of trying to live a life of fast pace and Sabbath towards relational gathering. And I don't want you to 
think, all right, well, I gotta do all these things and press into this well, and like I have to have a day, I'm gonna have this 20, take small steps to pursue this. Because this isn't a legalistic giving you certain laws and things that you have to do in order to like, like think you're doing well as a follower of Jesus. This is a practice and a spiritual discipline that we can implement into our life that re- puts us back on the right path. And he's saying, I want you to do this every week because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose focus. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the worship team come up. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk a little bit more, which a little could be 10 minutes, so whatever. God's good. But I'm gonna go through a couple different things and then I'm gonna ask you four questions that I want you just to kind of mull over. And they're not gonna be on the screen, so I'm gonna ask him and I want you to write one down. And say, all right, in order to start implementing a seventh day, a Sabbath rest, a ceasing, I want you to focus and, and try to ask this one question to yourself, one of the four, whichever one you want. Before I get there, I need to say this. At its heart, Sabbath is a life-affirming rhythm of joy, gratitude, laughter, wonder, and delight. I'm gonna say that again. At its heart, Sabbath is a life-affirming rhythm of joy, gratitude, laughter, wonder, and delight. And trying to figure out what, is, what does it look like to pursue a seventh day, a ceasing, a resting, a remembrance, as resistance to culture and pursue relational gathering. Think of it like this. Do whatever fills you with more love for God, others, and yourself. Another way to say it is this. Approach Sabbath like this. Whatever breathes God's life into you fits God's purpose for a Sabbath rest. So for me, there's moments where I do, I do worship through music. I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm a musical guy. I love it. It's a discipline for me to read my Bible. It's hard. I'm not a good reader. I'm also not a good talker sometimes. But if that gives you life, why would you not do that? I'm also an extrovert. So I actually get rest by being with a ton of people. Like I get energy from being with you guys. I just do. And as I've been married for nearly 11 years, I've noticed that like some of the most rest I get is yes, being with people and being with people that, that I love to and I like enjoy conversation and we encourage one another is good, but like also just hanging out with my wife. Or for some reason, I somehow get rest making salsa. I'm not kidding. I made two batches of salsa yesterday. It was awesome. I was like, this is great. Cause like, I, I think it tastes good. I really like salsa. But like it brought me, like I delighted in it. It was good. And it's like, all right, Jesus, thank you for salsa. And I'm serious. But we implement things and it's like, in that it was, that's weird, right? And that can seem really selfish. It's like, oh, I just want to do things that I think I'm supposed to do. But in reality, it's like what I've done is I've recognized, okay, what actually gives me physical, spiritual, emotional, holistic rest? And it's, it is being with people having encouraging conversations, screwing around and having fun and playing board games and like getting dunked in a dunk tank. I'm not gonna do that every week, but like there's just moments where we can have fun and, and there's delight in that. So what fills you? What breathes God's life, his joy, 
his peace into you. That is God's purpose for a Sabbath rest for you. Because when we practice a rhythm of Sabbath, Sabbath restfulness, we inhale rest, joy, and delight, and we exhale tension, worry, and grief. Don't fill up a seventh day. I mean, man, think if you had one day a week where you didn't experience worry, tension, or grief, at least from your own, like, intentions, where you didn't fill your schedule up with things that brought you worry, that created tension in your life, where you actually just exhaled that stuff out. So four questions, and you can go ahead and start playing a little bit. Four questions, just pick one. They're not on the screen. Just just grab one, write it down, think through it. Take some time. What does it look like to implement a rhythm of Sabbath into your life? Remembering identity, refreshing, getting refreshed holistically, renewed, and refocusing on God's purpose. And all of these questions under the foundation and reality that I've surrendered this to Jesus first. First one. Not even questions, they're more statements. This first one. Do that which fills you with joy and delight. Another way that I like to ask this, and, and I've had a lot of conversations with people is, what's the thing about your relationship with Jesus that you don't want to stop doing? Do that. Make that be a practice on the seventh day. Do that which leaves you refreshed and renewed emotionally. And some of this stuff, guys, is knowing yourself. Do you know what brings you that refreshment, that renewal? Do that which promotes peace of mind, body, and spirit. Exhaling tension and worry and grief. And do those things and be with those people who fill you with life and love. And not in a selfish, me kind of way that fills you with God's life and God's love. To have a seventh day where what you do is cease from the needing of worrying about the things that I need to get done or have gotten done or what I went through. But to push into what helps you love God and love people better do those things. Sabbath as rest in remembrance as resistance and towards relational gathering. Pick one of those four statements and just take a couple seconds and just think about that. What does it look like to be filled with God's life? Things that will help you love him more and love people more.